everyone, thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Iconist Podcast. And like usual, it's two of us here as always. So uh, me, you know who I am, Barry3D, Deep Dark Delicious, still going in 2023. And as always, on my side, the man, the myth, the legend, my cousin, my best friend, the one who's got the tables rocking and the booties dropping. Booties shopping? Booties dropping. There we go. <laughs> the one and only... DJ Rodsey. Good day, good day to everyone. Welcome to another episode. We're going to have some fun today. Yes, yes, we are. Yes, we are. And before we jump into it, first of all, a couple of quick shout outs. One, Wow Comics out in Kitchener. Go and tell Wes we said hi, right? He'll, he'll hook you up. Two, if you're out in Montreal, go buy Check Swings and tell Trevor and the crew we said hi. They will hook you up. And uh, last but not least, always keep an eye out for my homeboys, my buddies, the guys I'm always running around with. That's a touch of great comedy. That's me, myself, you know, me, myself, and I. <laughs> Shout out to, uh, you know, Dove. We miss you. De La Soul. Um, mm. Along with Zolf Ali and Dave Sokolowski. That's a touch of great comedy. We have a show coming up March. So by the time this comes out, we might. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we in time. March, March, March 3rd. Uh, March 1st. March 1st is our show. So by the time you see this, the show is actually that night down at Comedy Bar. Come out, check it out. Along with uh, uh, a special guest that night on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. Nice. That being said, one mm. person we always have to shout out because he's like the invisible member. You see him more than you see him. He's been on an episode with one of us back with Vince McMahon and along with Dave Sokolowski, my homeboy. And the one and only, who are we talking about? Uh, Rod, who are we talking about? Jay Bird Digital Art. Fellows, 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 fellows. That's a homeboy, Jay Bird Digital Arts. If you need any kind of graphic design work done, no matter what it is, be it for mm. you know something online or be it for your establishment, your place, your business, case closed, no matter what it is, you reach out to Jay Bird Digital Digital Arts. You tell Jason that you heard about him on the Iconist podcast, mm-hmm. and he'll give you that oh 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 so important discount. Right. So when the politicians say they're talking about trying to cut down and give you money back, yeah, yeah, well, Jay will actually do it. There we go. None of his word. Absolutely. Vote for Jay. Absolutely. For Jay. You care about your product, he cares about you. That's Jay Bird Digital Arts. All right. Mm. Now this brings us down to an episode. Now we are down in March. <laughs> we decided for March we're going to do something a little bit different. Not off the cuff, but really a little bit different, right? March, March break, March madness. You're home with the kids and the family. And why we chose this topic? Well, because you're home with the kids and the family. We are talking about what today? Sky, Sky Captain, Captain and the and World, World of Tomorrow. Oh man, you gotta say you gotta say it with some you know some bass mm. there. You got Sky mm. Captain and the World of Tomorrow. That sounds so exciting. This is a movie back from 2004. It had a certain feel to it. So they went back to the old school kind of things where movies were shot, not like a black and white, but that sepia color. And mm-hmm. it had that, you know, that detective, old school, like gumshoe detective feel to it. World War II kind of thing. I know they use this kind of in different mediums and it sticks out. So for March Madness, if you're home and you want something safe to watch with the kids, we say Sky Captain in the World Tomorrow is good to watch with young kids. Uh, you know, it's not overly gory. Nope. It, it might be a little bit lighthearted, but it's good family fun. You can laugh at it. You can laugh with it. It is a fun project to do. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, and if you, I, and we'll get into our influences. So that's, that's what we're talking about. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. 
right? You know, I know sometimes they just say Sky Captain, but for me, you got to say the full name. Once it's like an acronym, know. like a tribe called Quest. <laughs> Very true. Very true. You know that that it, people get that man. It, it's like my the Boondocks. A pit name slip back. <laughs> you got to say the whole name. Cat Williams is awesome. Name. Oh my goodness, so true, so true. Oh right. my gosh. So I, I, as I said, this movie came out 2004, and it starred, um, you know, Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow, Angelina Jolie. Those are the characters that really uh, stood out to me, um, uh, you know, in there. And I mean, there's more actors in there, obviously. And there was really a good cast behind that. But those are the three main ones you you see in there. Uh, Giovanni Ribisi, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Gambon, you know, Bay Ling, uh, and... Omi Dajalia. Now, you might not recognize the names, but if you watch it, you're like, I know you. I know him. Correct. I know you. So, uh, that's, that's my thing, but you know, that's, that's, it it came out and the way it was, the whole runtime is like 106 minutes, um, you know, and then it kind of had countries behind like United Kingdom, Italy, United States. These are the places that were behind it. It's in different languages. Obviously, we watched it in English. Of course, every movie's in different language. And the movie had, uh, a budget about seventy million. It didn't really do all that well at the box office. It, well, you know, they pulled in about fifty-eight million at the box office. But it's caught on as a cult classic, so more people got into it on home video than going to the theater to watch it. I think they missed something there. So that that's that's my whole thing. We'll get into it, Rod. When, when you watched this movie, <laughs> what was your thoughts of watching Sky Captain? And the world of tomorrow. Well, I, I like the fact that, like you said, it's that gumshoe type of movie. And the funny thing is, I'm, you know, 2004, when that came out, when this, when this story, this movie came out, again, there's not a lot of that. So that's why it had its own length. It made you have to say, oh, this is different. Let me see what this is about. And when you start to go in and realizing the whole concept is trying to give you the, the dramatic vision of being in the 1920s when they're like futuristic stuff was like, you know, Oh my goodness, lasers, robots, you know, uh, world domination, world takeover and crazy things like watching it at that time. And if I'm thinking correctly, 2004 was before 2005, which before the introduction of the Iron Man and the world of multiverse and all that kind of stuff. So we would know as, as, people who love the sci-fi genre, we can look at this and I say, well, we know technically this is not on this planet of Earth, but it could be a <laughs> another version. As you can see certain things, when you watch it, you'll see like, oh, I can see that being here. I can see, ooh, that, that wasn't in 1920. That was a kind of very futuristic George Jetson kind of thought process. But to right. me, it was nice because it just gave you an old style with a modern futuristic touch and like barry said you're gonna watch it you're gonna enjoy it like definitely because this is march march you know this is the time for march you know march madness the month of march when you have your time with your kids you can definitely start uh sitting down with your kids and having a, a, a good a good family outing stay home type of movie watch this with the kids i'm telling you Especially if they're, you know, young at a certain age, and especially if they have that type of mindset for genres of the sci-fi type of genre, they're going to start picking out little, little things that are saying, oh, look, 
uh, not giving away certain things, but there were there were certain like basically let's say Giovanni, he was basically like the psychic friend of Guy Captain, and he was the more of the the, the futuristic inventor who was right. coming yes. out with um um there was one particular time you see uh like a ray gun type of like a an old, again and you got to think of it this was built back in the days when it was seeing cartoons and comic book strips and all that kind of stuff when they did a a, a ray gun it was a circular circular type yeah, of exactly. ray gun so they exactly. made sure that they had the type of uh context to give that type of feel like this is still 1920 and the mindset of what you would have thought would have been at that time but he was a genius in the sense that Sky Captain was, uh, give me a go. He, was, he had his certain plane that he flew, but it wasn't just an ordinary plane. Uh, he, I can't remember his character's name right at the point. Right now, I'm just going to have to look for it. But his sidekick basically created that for him. Gave him a Dex. little extra touch on it. Dex, thank you. Yeah. Dex gave, he created a little differently for him at that point. So children, kids, young people, anybody who's going to watch it, they're going to enjoy it because they're going to see Oh, the different nice little flares. They like saying, "Oh, it is new age. It's not new age." Hey, mom and dad, is this what you guys thought the future was going to be? And reality, your parents. This was before your parents' time, so they would have been saying to their parents. So technically, you should go to your grandparents and say, "Grand and grandpa, right. it was this your type of the future?" And you can definitely then your grandparents will just hit you with a cane. Stop it, young and weapon. Don't be talking to me like that. Don't be talking to me like that. Just your any water you know that kind of scenario so to avoid all that um not to avoid enjoy all that let your kids see that and then they can just have fun and talk crazy to your parents wait a minute maybe there's a backslash on that maybe i no watch it it'd be good trust me it'll be good it's good and it had a lot of influences okay so you're right so dex was the guy who made everything so you had the guy the main character who was um named uh john uh you know that was sky captain that was jude law's character Right, mm-hmm. and then you had uh, uh, the the Penelope. Oh, Joe, Joe, Joe. Sorry, Joe. Joe, yeah, oh. Joe yeah. was the main character, and yeah. then the and it was a uh, uh, Polly, Polly. You know, Polly, and she had her like Perk. the two P's in her name, Polly Penelope, something like that. Polly yeah. per- Perkins, Polly, Polly Perkins, Perkins. Polly yeah. Perkins. You know, Lois Lane. Here, here. There you go. There's a lot of parallels that. First of all, this is what we're talking about in the show, because this guy had to be a comic book fan. He had to be a fan of comic okay. books, and here's why I'm going to point out a couple of things. So one, Joe, Sky Captain, in a plane, mm-hmm. buckled up, looked like Maverick, old school, with the goggles, right? If you watch the, um, what was it, Captain Harlock back in the day, the cartoon, or Albatar. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right, when he, before he became a space pirate, and he talks about his ancestors, you see his ancestor during like World War II flying one of those single uh, propeller engine planes, fighting and he had the scarf around there with a thick aviator jacket the big goggles and that's how they used to dress that was seen as oh wow that that was a status symbol so that's that's sky captain okay mm-hmm. then then we got polly perkins polly perkins lois lane lana lang she's obviously the love interest and those two seem to have a had a relationship they seem to have gone their separate ways and it was a little bit toxic but they're very lighthearted about it because it was mm-hmm. back in those 1920s and all that and the movie opens up with Polly Perkins uh, getting a story, a lead as well. It opens up with this this German scientist on a one of those, you know, the Hindenburg, mm-hmm. right? You know, one of those airships, as they used to call it Zeppelin. back in the day. Yep. Zeppelin Fly- airships. Zeppelin airship flying over to to New York, 
and he's changed his name and he's like, you have to make sure this gets over to this person. Don't let this person get it. I'm being followed. So automatically you get that gumshoe feel. Then they bring in the, yeah, exactly. Then they bring in the, you know, Polly Perkins and she's a reporter. They bring her in. Okay, fine. She gets wrapped in the story because, you know, she's a reporter. Very, very Lois Lane-ish. So there's one trope. No in, fair. You know, no yeah. fair. We'll run into the fire to get the story. That's what we got to do. Oh my goodness. Holly Perkins on the case. On the case. And she has her camera with X amount of film and she goes and meets and the story advances. Then, you know, there she comes out, the scientist is gone. She goes to meet him at a rendezvous in a cinema. You know, they hear sirens, everyone runs in the street. They look mm-hmm. up, you see people pointing overly in you know, same way that goes in Rocket Robin Hood. Everyone like three hands pointing up, and it's like, oh my gosh. And all you see is the shadows. Uh, and you hear the and you see it and they and they look like planes, but they're not planes. They're giant robots with their arms extended and flying. Put a pin in it. Those robots looked so similar. Slightly similar. If you've ever watched the original Superman cartoon from 1941 by Max Fletcher. There's one of the shorts, and these shorts, the Superman cartoon, they run for about 10 minutes. And in one of them, Superman is fly, fighting these robots. Mm-hmm. The robots look identical. So right? Close. Identical to the robots in Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow that Polly sees. Like the, the body structure, the head to it, how they oh. have their arms extended and the wings come out from their arms. It, it, it was really, someone looked at Max Fletcher cartoon and went, huh, I can just copy and paste. And that's what they did, in my opinion. That's watching, watch the Superman Max Fletcher cartoon, which is by Paramount. Mm. And well, Scott you see the similarity, And you'll see the similarities. Absolutely. But you got to look at it again. This this goes back to what I'm talking about the context. That yes. again, I know I said 1920, but technically this was 1939. It had the 1930s, 19 late 30s, late 1940 type of feel. Mm-hmm. When you look at comic strips at that time, there are always something very similar across the board. Like if they're talking about aliens, or they're going to talk about robots, or talking about some type of sci-fi or rockets, they always drew it along the similar line. Again, giving you that concept, like if you're going to see this, you're going to automatically feel. Well, I don't think this is any modern kind of uh, robots that we're seeing right now. I believe these are something from from back in the days, back before the. Let's back. Let's go back and back in time. Back in time, right? Back, back, forth, and forth. Leah, miss you. All right, so this is what I'm saying. When you look at Max Fletcher, Max Fletcher cartoon came out in 1941. This is supposed to be based in 1939. So this is at the time is what people thought. At the time when they were creating this stuff, you know, the Max Fletcher cartoon, what robots mm-hmm. would look like, you know, in the future. Now we have, you know, them running around looking like, you know, uh, uh, how the Will Smith cartoon, Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, uh, that cartoon, but show, you know, I mean, uh, with Will Smith. I can't remember. I'm escaping right now. Which one? The, the Will Smith one there where he's got the robots. Oh, I, I, robot. I robot. I robot. Duh. Yeah, I robot. Duh. Yeah, I robot. I'm kind of lost on that one. I robot. Mm-hmm. So I robot, Terminators, whatever. Our robots now are different from what they are in the future. But back then, in the mm-hmm. 30s, 40s, this is what they envisioned. So those two look the same. Now, why did I mention Paramount? Because Paramount 
distributed Sky Captain in the World Tomorrow. But Paramount was also, back in 1941, behind the Max Fletcher Superman cartoon. No, he did it. Yes, he did. Yes, I did. So, I mean, dead on. And getting back to your whole thing. So, you know, Sky Captain, you see, you know, they, 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 he's flying around in the city with his plane. He's fighting the robot. He's mm-hmm. shooting at them. He, he's able to kind of bring one down. And next thing you know, he's back on a secret base, which is a couple of miles away from the main city. It looks like it's inside of an old volcano or, a, a, you know, a mountain that's hollowed out. But it's, it's like, you know, coming up to it, you see a mountain. When you fly over the top, you come down, you see it's got its own flat landing surface. So it's got runways. It's got, you know, other bases there. There's multiple people working there. It's the evil lair, man. This It's the evil lair. Yeah, well, it's the evil lair, but this time the good guy has a lair, right? Oh, sorry. Good, yeah. Well, it looks like, let's say, it looks like an evil lair. It looks like an evil lair, but it's a good guy. So this is Sky Captain's base. So you get there and you see there's other people there. And they're all in uniform, but they refer to them as mercenaries. But they're all still in military uniforms, so to speak, right? How they dress. So, yeah. once again, were they used to be military and stop? The, you know, love world building possibilities right there. Yeah. And then, you know, Polly Perkins shows up. And she gets there before Sky Captain. Don't ask how. We just say movie magic. <laughs> and then they bring in the giant robot. But then she's got the plans from the doctor. And then you're looking around, and it's like, oh, okay. You know, and you see Dex. So Dex is the the boy genius. He's the sidekick boy genius. So Sky Captain is your 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 Captain America, Superman. You know, America and apple pie kind of guy. You know, mm-hmm. you know, supposed to be the strong type, good for action. Polly Perkins, love interest, on and off again. It's like, are they together? Are they not together? It's you know, there's something there, but they don't overly play it like how they would play it up today, right? With the the sexual tension. That's fine, right. but you know there's something there because it's very at the time it's it's supposed to be the thirties. That's how I'm sorry, the forties. That's how they were, right? They weren't as you know, overt as they are now. And then Dex, well, if Sky Captain is your Captain America guy, that makes Dex Bucky. Winter Soldier. Right? He can handle himself. <laughs> but he's the one that creates all the stuff. Like he created the mm-hmm. rain gun and what I liked about this movie is, one, how they filmed it. It was all done on a, a studio, so it wasn't no live location. It was all done in the studio and graphic like design, and mm-hmm. they did it that way. I don't think it was the last time they kind of did something that way. It's very reminiscent of Sin City 300. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, and that was a gap before we got that. So they fully digitized this whole world and, and backdrops and all that, and they added that feel to it. So the architecture was very reminiscent of that time period of like the 19, you know, 39, 1940, a lot of curves, uh, you know, bold statements, you know, with brass and, and then concrete mm-hmm. and but the colorization really smooths it out. So that was what I liked. So even the ray gun, the gun, it doesn't have hard edges. It looked like a old school, you know, water gun, which was very roundish. It was like yeah. a very oblong shaped to it. So that's what Dex makes. So so far, I'm into this movie. I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm down with this. It's it, it established certain things. Could the pacing be a little bit more? Sure. Could it go on a little bit more? But the influence clearly, I see where it's coming from. Right. So this is where the, it brings me that storyline, right? Um, you know, and this and this and this, we're just talking the first couple of minutes of this movie. That's a thing. <laughs> but there's so much more influence. <laughs> 
Hit well, me, Rod. Okay, well, let me see now. So from that point, they get to the base and, you know, it's being under attack by the, the robots and so forth. Yes. They come in and then Dax, Dex, I mean, Dex basically trying to fend them off as much as possible, but then he gets captured. But the scenario is prior to that is that, actually, let me just step back. Prior to that, you were seeing that um, Polly had that information from, from the mysterious um, person from the Zeppelin saying, make sure no one gets this. So yes. she brought it and making sure, okay, let's see, you know, what's this about? So, you know, again, it's like the gumshoe type of uh, uh, scene right now. You're going to have Sky, Sky Captain, you're having Dex, you're having Polly, trying to figure out what's going on. Dex, leave it with me. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Just, just go. Let's get out of here type of scenario. Now that when the, um, the robots come to attack, Dex now is basically, before he gets kidnapped and taken away, he basically saves the map, put it in a particular place, save it. It's a very, it's very, very cute in how they, how he miraculously saved the map. So, no, you know, the remaining team can find it and find where they're going afterwards. But again, like Barry said, there's so many stuff that's, I mean, we're just going step by step on it. But the storyline is basically we're on a mission just to find what is, what is the evil plan? What is trying to be, you know, what is, why are all these um, scientists? Because this is what started Polly on her on her journey. Mm-hmm. Mysterious Paul, uh, mysterious sci- scientists are mysteriously being dis- you know taken away and disappearing. So that was her main story. So this yes. this was part of her reasoning to be part of that. I think Joe was just being Joe. Well, just he being- was he was to a certain degree. So when they bring in that first robot. You know, and Polly starts talking to him about the story about the scientist disappearing. Mm-hmm. And he and then Dex mentions a robot and 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 you know, Joel's looking like mm. she's like, What robot? And he's like, Okay, well, these robots have been appearing around the world for the past three years. We've been keeping it quiet up until now. Mm-hmm. That they finally got, you know, people have seen it, you've got pictures of it. It's now out public news. They were downtown New York. The robots are always stealing supplies and and, and power. Yep. So they're stealing like steel and, and copper mm-hmm. wiring and they're stealing generators. That's their mission. So that's why they were going in there. They're trying to steal all these generators from New York that were downtown and, and you know, put the city in darkness. So he was keeping it under wraps. So clearly it wasn't just him. It was a whole organization, but he's guy captain. So he's leading this whole effort. So Polly finds out. And then of course, Dex gets kidnapped. You know, they, and we're not going to go bit by bit with all of it, but Dex gets kidnapped and mm-hmm. it's now they're on a mission. On a mission to get back Dex, stop whoever's doing it. They find out there's a there's an evil scientist, Chernikov, shakes fist right. in anger. Who's behind all this? And they have to figure out where he's at because no one has seen Chernikov. No one knows where he's at because of Dex. Before he gets kidnapped, was able to leave a clue behind for them to find Sky Captain and Polly. So for Joe and Polly, so they get in the plane. They start going to find Dex. When they're doing this, you know, they're finding having their their kind of couple toxic relationship. She's like, You ran around, you ran around with another woman, you cheated on me. And he's like, I never cheated on you, but you sabotaged my plane. And she's like, I never sabotaged your plane. <laughs> so this is like the running joke between the two of them mm-hmm. throughout the movie. And they go to different parts. So they're following the signal. And here's another thing that really threw me for a loop. So he's 
chasing down one of these mechanical birds. Like, you know, it looked like a ship, but it almost has wings. It flaps. He's chasing it down. Um, he's following the signal that it left off, and he finds where the island's supposed to be, where the signal's coming from, and he's flying there, but he doesn't have enough fuel to get there. And he's like, well, uh, this is where we're going to run out of fuel. And he's, who are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to reach up to my friend of mine, uh, Frankie. Frankie? Yeah, Frank never lets me down. Beep, 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 And he's hitting the Morse code from his plane, right? And, you know, at one point, Frankie, Frankie shows up. Now, Frankie is played by Angelina Jolie. So all you see at this point is he gets a message back. He's like, Frankie, you're supposed to be here. I'm running out of fuel. I'm going down. I'm going down. It's like, hey, Joe, hey, we're here. Come and land. And you see this ship come out from the sky. Very heavily influenced, in my opinion, by S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury, the helicarrier. Or, now I'm going to lean more to one or the other. Or you can think Captain Scarlet and Air Base. But I'm going to go with, with Nick Fury, and you'll see why. Mm-hmm. Because he lands on this flying ship, it looks like a a big boat in the sky, flying like a helicarrier, literally, mm-hmm. with the four propellers holding it up. She's part of the Royal Navy, and I say she because at this point, Polly Perkins doesn't realize that Frankie is really, you know, a girl's name at this point, and I, and he's thinking, you know, so when you know, you see all the troops come up, and they all in their outfits. And then you see Angelina Jolie come out there. So Angelina Jolie was only on set for like a few days. She just finished doing like Tomb Raider, popped on set for a couple of days because she wanted to be a part of the project. She comes up there in like a black military uniform, looks sharp, and she has an eye patch. Mm-hmm. On a fly, and she's the commander of a flying battleship that has planes that land on it. Sounding a little familiar there, Jess. Crossing some lines. Just saying. To me, she was the female version of Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, on a helicarrier. <laughs> That's it. Yes, Come it. at me, bro. Sorry, yes, okay. Francisca Frankie Cook. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like you can see the whole type of narrative. There's certain clips, like even when she was inside, and and you know the the hilarious thing that I I have to laugh at this particular scene. Reminding who came first. There's a scene in there, if I remember correctly, where she's on the interior of the, uh, of the helicarrier and she's talking, you know, you know, barking, not barking orders, but you know, you know, being commanding and being a captain, you know, making orders, whatever the case would be. And the way that the whole layout is, it's like an open forum type of layout. You just got like the one, the one, um, runway. Yes. To where you would just basically the main, the main center point, if you were being the captain. Sort of like, um, I don't want to say that one yet, but I, you said the name earlier, the one, um, Sky oh. Captain. Um, oh, yeah, Captain Scarlet. Ca- Captain Scarlet. It's got that dun, same dun, kind of feel. Dun. So it has that type of feel. So uh-huh. when you start doing certain orders, it's like, think, oh, this looks reminiscent. But then, uh-huh. we now at this time frame, you can realize we are now seeing Nick Fury uh-huh. when it's the first time when the Avengers came together on the Hellcarrier and how he was bucking orders and, you know, Come Tony on was now. making like joke, joke like saying, I wonder how he looks out of one eye. That, uh, that, you know, how, how did he do it? How, how did he do it off one eye? And it, it was hilarious that we were watching that, but in reality, that was first. 
Thank you. Uh, on the cinematic universe aspect of it, yes, that was first. Aspect, that was first. That was first. Was that was hilarious. she was the female version of Nick Fury. Um, they got into you know their planes. Their planes are really cool. Their planes mm-hmm. can go underwater. Sky Captain's plane, thanks to Dex, can go underwater. And then once again, we get mention of Dex. It's like good boy Dex. Dex comes up. That that Sky Captain's thing. Every time he sees Dex, good boy Dex. He yeah. Dex is a dog at one point, and it's like no, no, that's just a psychic. That's how they talk. So you hear it's like, oh yeah, well Dex invented the plane that can my plane that and made it that it can go underwater. You right. know, because Polly thought at one point it would crash. Okay, that was a part earlier in the story. And then she sees the helicarrier. Uh, we're gonna call it helicarrier for for the you know lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And talking about Frankie and the planes, and she's like, and and Sky Captain Joel turns around like, yeah, well, Dex is huge in the comic books, and he invents all this stuff. He he invented everything we're on right now. He invented the plane, he invented the helicarrier, the whole nine yards. All this comes out of Dex's mind. That voice, he goes, that guy, he goes, that guy loves his comic books and sci-fi. Now, if you do a flashback before Dex was taken, Dex had to go to his workstation and he was trying to work out the coordinates where everything was at. And at one point he slides across, he slides off his desk, off the map, a whole bunch of comic books he had open because that's his influence. Good boy, Dex. Good boy, Dex. Good boy. <laughs> so this is where it comes into. So we've got an evil villain, Turnikoff. Mm. We've got an Asian assassin, all in black. And her costume and the feel, once again, reminded me a lot of an old movie called Metropolis. Okay. If you watch, you know, if you look back in the archives, there's a movie called Metropolis, literally. And, and, and I'm sure you've seen clips of it, Rod, where you see this robot sitting down, a female robot, and there's electricity around the robot and it gets up and mm-hmm. starts walking and everyone's. So it, it, it's, it's very reminiscent how they filmed it, the, the, the technology, how they envision technology in the future of this movie Metropolis. Once again, another influence. We got influence from Marvel. We've got influence from metropolis we've got influence from tv shows we've got influence from max fletcher and it's put it all in there and stir it up and throw some mm-hmm. seasoning on that and there, you yep. know what i mean and, and you get some rice and peas and you got yourself a meal <laughs> hardly hardy hardy meal hardy hardy meal not that i'm hungry or nothing like that but you know <laughs> no, no, no. no you're not no no so so sky captain to me this is why i, I wanted to talk about this because it had all these aspects, and then he still goes on, and he runs to another character, and of course, there's intrigue, and he gets you, you know, and and even when you see the other actor he runs into, you'll remember this actor from, you know, um, uh, you, you'll remember him from the Mummy, the original one with Brandon Fraser. He was also right. in uh, Prince of Persia. Mm-hmm. He, very, you know, he, he, he was in the uh, Clash of the Titans movie. This guy does a lot of character roles, and I like him. You know, he's he's never been the main star in the movies I've seen him, but he's always a scene stealer every time I've seen him. Right. Yeah, definitely a supporting class, uh, supporting cast, definitely for sure. Yeah, but he'll, he you got to work hard because he'll steal the scene. And I, those, so these are the characters that stood out for me was Frankie, this guy. So, you know, and then he's like, okay, we have to find this one town, this one place. You know it's where it's on the map. And it's like, oh, it's called this, but it also goes by many other names. So, oh yeah? And he calls all the different names. And he goes, well, you might know it as Shangri-La. What? Sky Captain started off in New York, and now he's looking for Shangri-La just to get back Dex. Good boy, Dex. Because he left the directions? Okay. 
I tell you. It, and it's all over the place. Like, <clears throat> mm-hmm. we'll find out that, you know, he went through Nepal trying to find Dexman, and Nepal went into debt. The great thing, like Barry was saying, the great aspect of usually of how this was set up, the CGI, just the whole, the CGI, but the whole, <laughs> the whole eh, CGI, but the CGI aspect of that, that type of metallic type of feel was great. And again, you can leave, and this is a global picture. So it's taking you to places that again, someone who is in 1930s at home in the US, somewhere just, you know, at that time, you're now getting a visual of the rest of the world. This, this is just yes. giving that those seven dynamics. So again, now we're going to the mystical area of the world called Shangri-La. Oh, that's big. That's big. Anybody be like saying, I gotta watch it. I, got, I gotta watch it. I got, I gotta watch it. Let's go. It's, it's a great thing. Um, don't keep going. I gotta come back to that part. I don't want to. Okay, no problem. So they go, they have their death-defying moments and, and, and escape, and they still keep looking for Dex, and they find out another clue. Like, they see the, the monks in Tibet save them. They find out there's, you know, uh, uh, Iridium or whatever it is in one of the mines, and it's, it's, so they get saved by monks, and it's like, oh, you gotta help us find this person, you know, help us find him. I, I gotta stop him. I gotta kill him. Bum, bum, bum. And the monk is like, okay, well, no, you can just go back home. And it's like, well, I'm looking for his guy. His name's Turnikoff. Well, what'd you say his name was? We will help you. <laughs> because he shafted our people. We know someone that can help. And he goes and, and they go through that part of the storyline. And then they they kind of get the lead of where Turnikoff can be. So they start chasing him down. They're still being chased by this, this you know, assassin who's all in black with this kind of cone hat. And mm-hmm. she's extremely strong. And they get there. And then they finally find where he's supposed to be. So we, we know we're jumping parts of the story, but you know, we want you to watch it. And when they get there, you open up into a world where Turnikoff was, he's a scientist himself. He's a geneticist, it seems, because he experiments on live people, live animals, you know, living beings and things. And, you know, when Dex gets out of his plane, cause it goes, you know, flying underwater comes up, boom, him and Polly get out there. Polly now, it, it, and she's couldn't even. She ran out of film. She's only got two shots left on her camera, right? And that's, that's another running, running joke. joke. Gets out there, joke. turns around. First thing they see is a giant dodo bird. Like I'm talking huge. I'm talking it's bigger than the plane. Then you see dinosaurs in the background. Okay, so so far in this movie, this appeals to the sci-fi nerd in me. They right. took all the influences, put it in. What what did, what did, what did sci-fi nerds back then like? This is pre pre Marvel, pre all this stuff. We like rocket ships. We like uh, zap guns, ray guns, you know, not even laser, ray guns, rocket ships, cool bases, mysterious villains, assassins, and now dinosaurs. If he was able to throw cowboys and Indians in here, it would have covered everything. It would have everything. It would have covered, covered every other genre in there. We got the gumshoe. We got the spy aspect. You've got, you going around the world. You put all the elements that usually make one movie, you mm-hmm. know, or elements that make maybe, you know, two elements that make one movie, and you've got, once again, we've got now the Indiana Jones aspect. Completely. We've got Jurassic Park yep. aspect. Yep. In 2004, there's giant dinosaurs. He's sitting there going, oh, no, run! <laughs> Into a temple with a giant, you know, skeleton of a T-Rex outside of it. It's like, oh, we can go through the front door. You hear a growling. It's like... Or we can go through that little vent over there. Well, I say little vent, the vent the size of a plane, but mm-hmm. it's safer than going through a door with a dinosaur. Okay. 
lot of influences, man. Hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's from that point on now that you're on the, you're on that, that world and you're now trying to find Chonokov. The, the whole, the whole, I'm going to go back. The whole running joke in regards to the film mm-hmm. is hilarious. Because the scenario is, is that Polly, again, she's a reporter. She's trying to break this big news. She's trying to bring this out and, you know, put her career at the top, get the Nobel Peace Prize. She's going for, yes. she's going for the guts and glory kind of scenario. The scenario was the Polish Prize. That's exactly it. Sorry. But the Polish Prize. I mean, she's going for that. Yes. The, the, I can't even talk right now. So she's going for that. The hilarious thing is that when she was, when she was in the cave, she basically, there was a, they had an opportunity, or sorry, they did not have an opportunity. She had her film. She had a whole bunch of films. She had a bag with her film and she dropped it and she left, she left it on a, on a, on a crate for half a second. And then they were in a mix up trying to escape. And then they're realizing, okay, this place is going to blow. We got to go now. Joe's grabbing her. Let's go. She runs off. Oh my goodness, my bag. You don't have enough time. <clears throat> so she runs. I, and I died because at that point, I laughed because at that point, you get the typical running and explosion. The concussion just pushes you away. You're flying off. I really thought, honestly, Harry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think she could have got the bag, you know. <laughs> of course she could have got the bag. I mean, I think she could have got the bag. <laughs> I just, yeah. every, time I, every time I watch this, every time I watch it, I come back to like, you know, you really could have got the bag. So the scenario is now she only has whatever film she has left in her camera. Again, it's not a digital. It's one of those film ones. It's back in the days. All she has is her little notification telling it, click, click how many films she has left. Two. Yeah. So this is where it is the running joke. So two she is pictures seeing, of that, two that pictures film. and she's, she's like seeing all of the dodo birds. Like, Oh my goodness. I'm seeing, uh, dinosaurs. Oh my goodness. I'm seeing a rocket being taken off. We'll get to that's later on in the show. Yeah, yeah, but I'll even like, prior to that was like the flying helicarrier. <laughs> oh my goodness! Didn't take a picture. You see the she takes it up, stops. Yeah, takes it up, looks down too. And and Joe's like, "You sure you don't want to take that? I don't think you're gonna find anything better than this." No, I'm going to wait. So it was always a hilarious thing that ah. he he always has the opportunity to get that shot. The, the the picture. The now, keep picture. in mind that's 1939. So if you come back with a picture of live dinosaurs, flying airships back then, woo! You and you're going to put it to the general public. They were not ready for that. And she had the opportunity. She's seen it all. Yeah. And and add to your thing when they were running from the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. You know they're running, yep. being chased. This guy, you know, Joe saves her. Caesar, she's crying. He's like, why are you crying? It's like, everything's going to be okay. And she's like, no, no. I only have one picture left. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, what well, it, shot, it, shot, it, it shot the floor. It shot, it took I, a I shot the, the floor. Ground. I shot the floor. Are you what? I shot the floor. What do you mean? I, I took a shot. I took a shot. Okay, cool. I took a shot. No, no, no. I took a shot of the floor. I took a shot of the floor when I was running. I only got one left. I'm like... Don't feel bad because Joe, who's our hero, turns around and laughs out loud hard. 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 No sympathy. None. None. Whatsoever. None. none. But oh. now, now, during this whole thing, they kind of soften up the relationship, and there's certain things, you know, that you catch. Like, all the time, it's Polly. 
And if you look at Joel's plane, he has a, 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 a lettering mm-hmm. on his plane. And Polly's always, him and Polly always arguing. But at one point when she's coming out the plane, you know, near the end, mm-hmm. Joel's plane is on water. So she looks down to f- get her footing and she sees the reflection of the lettering in the water. And if you put a mirror to it, whatever that lettering, lettering looks like to identify his plane, upside down, it spells Polly. And she was having a, aww, he named his plane after me. Now, you have to understand, Joel loves his plane. It's like Thor in Love and Thunder with his hammer. <laughs> it's like, Asgard's gone. Yeah, but my hammer. Oh, okay, you care more about the hammer than, you know, your your, oh, your comrade's going? Okay, so that, that's how it comes down to. That's And then we're, we're getting close to the end. We get to the movie. They find the main bad guy. Uh, and I don't want to give it away, the, the plot twist. From the mm-hmm. movie, okay, because we want you to watch it. But he gets to the bad guy, and it's like dun 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 plot twist, and then it feels like we're watching Metropolis with giant robots again, and Got then he fights the evil assassin, who you mm-hmm. find out she is a robot, and they're building this. And picture if you picture a rocket ship in the 1930s in movies, and say, I wonder what that looks like. If you watch the movie, it's going to. I'm gonna make this easy for you. Anybody who sees our podcast, anybody who uh, listens to our podcast, want to know what that rocket ship looked like? Look at our logo on the Iconist Podcast logo that was done by J Bird Digital Arts. That's right. So if anyone on YouTube, look at it at the top. Anyone that's listening to it, just look at our page and you'll see our logo there. There's a rocket ship in the background. And to show you how old school I am, I'm actually a fan of it because this, that was the image of a rocket ship to me. And why we chose a rocket ship? Because I wanted to be different. That You know, I didn't want to do a comic book. I didn't want to do a lightning bolt or whatever, even though I wear it. I thought the rocket ship thing was cool. The Iconist podcast, because we're out of this world. And, and I'm, you know, holding up a card here, you can see the, the Iconist podcast. And, and that's what the rocket ship pretty much looked like. So you can say that this show the aesthetic was influenced by Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Nice. I'm over my moment. So so that brings us to the end of this Mm -hmm. journey. I mean, there's a twist, and there's a reason why Turnikoff was doing what he was doing with the rocket ship, and Sky Captain's got to stop it and save the world. Okay. So we'll say this. It might not be the most this with the acting but you know it had a hundred animators working on the background scenes animating this and putting together the backgrounds the he's had influences from the world's fair um Mm -hmm. you know the person behind the the whole story right you know and it took them months to film this and uh you know um i had it here uh the name of the person who his influences uh you know yeah i'm gonna find it later on but it um, so he was, des- so Conrad was influenced by the designs of Norman Bell Giddens. Yes. Thank industrial you. designer who built, who worked for the 1993 Chicago World's Fair. Right? Yes. So you can definitely see Anna on the 1939 New York World's Fair. So you can definitely see, as Barry's saying, you can see the influence, so you can see where he's pulling, he's getting his ideas from, and he's basically around that time period. So anybody who will know, that is making as authentic as possible. This is what was seen through the eyes of people at the World Fair. This is what they expected. This is what this was the influence coming from. 
Absolutely. His parents were, you know, huge supporters of him and his brother. And they, you know, and they put him through that feeder program for Disney animators at CalArts. Mm -hmm. And he became interested in 2D animation, computer animation, um, worked with 3D animation, Hollywood. So a lot of influence. And of course, he's a comic book fan. There's no question about that, that his influence comes from comic books. I would love to pick his brain and see what comic books and see if I'm actually on the, you know, right path or on the right path or some of his influences. So once again, I think this is a fun movie now now here's here's another aspect of it usually we fan cast it and there's no need to fan cast it's already been casted but what i'll say on this is where we would do our normal fan casting i'm gonna give i'm gonna give an opinion i'm gonna hit you up ron for your opinion and see what you say okay for, we all know i love world building if you're gonna build a world build build the heck out of that world uh, you know mm-hmm. build it build it build it and it's very rare i don't like to talk about anything negative because i want you know there's enough negativity in the world we want to keep it positive so but I will say the two negative points I have about this whole experience is they didn't expand enough for me. The name alone screams something more. It's like Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If it was me, you know, and I, I mean, hey, we just guys doing a podcast and an opinion. I would love to have seen a couple of things, either. I know they weren't going to do another movie because it just didn't pull in the numbers at the box office. Yeah. Granted. But I think they could have done a video game. They could have made a video game out of this. Out of Sky Captain and Worlds of Tomorrow. Take us back. You know, have an open world concept that you can do different missions within it. And down, I mean, a lot of games do it that way. You have Hitman, which I'm a fan of. You, you, you got, um, you know, there's a Ragnar, you know, a God of War that's got that kind of thing to it. You could have done Grand Theft Auto. It could have been an open world concept. It could have been a, okay. something along those lines. So either give me a video game or, and, and, and first and foremost, even before a video game, give me some action figures. It should have had, in my opinion, you set up your hero, the sidekick, the love interest, the vehicles. You set up his base, Frankie. Her, her, uh, the Royal uh, Air Force, or your Air Command, you know, uh, the, sorry, Royal Navy, the uh, Frankie from the Royal Navy. You could have had her character, her vehicle, Turnikoff as the villain, giant robots, throwing some dinosaurs in there if you want. Or that, that there was a toy line waiting to happen. Now, how successful will that toy line been? I don't know, mm-hmm. but I think they could have pulled in some more revenue with toys. I mean, it was ripe right there. I've seen other properties not as big or have crashed a lot harder that mm-hmm. had some toys, for, some action figures to it. I, it was all there. Like it, the designs were done. So that's one. So me, I would have definitely one, they missed the, the boat on mm-hmm. toys. Two, they could have expanded more maybe with a mini series comic book or a cartoon done in the Max Fletcher style. Yeah. Of Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow. They could have something like that. But I know bottom line is give me my comics or give me my action figures, then followed by maybe expand it. You already have it there. A cartoon. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that would have played one into the other. And then let's see if it can play into the video game and all that. I think the world has a lot more to give than we got from it. That that's 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 my that's my that's your take. That's my take. Okay. Now, you know what? It's not a bad. It's not a bad idea. And I and I was thinking 
I was thinking the second, the latter half of what you were saying in regards mm-hmm. to expanding it is definitely a good option because there's a, there's a lot of information on there. Like they, if you, the movie itself, I think they, they put in just enough to tease you, to give you, cause I, to me, they tease you, they tease me with enough to give me the concept. Like they could be, they could do more. You know what yes. I mean? Like it was, it wasn't, it wasn't, like it wasn't overbearing. It was a lot to take in, especially for that time period and giving you the little nuances, the little, you know, the, the, what is like the fan, the fan, you know, check mark, like, Oh, we got some ro- rockets. We got some robots. We got, you know, world built, you know, we're going across the world. We're just having that type of mind blowing e- experience and imagination. Cause at that time, again, when any kid would be watching and reading these comics, it wasn't even comic books heavily at that time. It was more comic no. strips. Yes, it was more exactly. comic strips. Like Dick so Tracy. You, Dick Tracy. So you only had maybe like four to six panels of a of a of a comic strip, and you got to build off of that. And then the next week, it's another comic strip. It's another. You know, you're building, building. So you got you're giving someone, you're giving a kid a chance to use their imagination to the fullest. So to me. They actually gave us that imagination in, right. in such context that you can you can literally say like, "Wow, it makes so much sense." Because if this was a strip, this would be one one scene, next scene, next scene. But they made it nice and fluent. So I would have definitely say, "Yeah, work, continue word building," because you, know, you can tell they were already that was the concept, that was that was the path, that was the lane they were going in. Mm-hmm. I would say. To give it I, comics, comic a comic book would be would be great. Um, I would just bring it back to a, again. I like I like my cartoons. Not even a full anime, even an anime, even if you had an anime would be good. I would just say a cartoon, and you know everybody knows it's a distinction of what looks better, or whatever. Right. I would. I think I would have a more anime type of feel because there are some animes out there that has that type of. Uh, quick eye type of action because everything is like it's it's black and white and gray slight slight color it has that yeah. pale type of color you know what i mean yes. so if we were to give it a little bit sharper kind of drawing to it and give it an anime type of feel like a magma a magna type of feel to that right right it could it couldn't definitely take off very well down that lane because there are similar stuff out there already oh for sure i'm not, not doing it sky captain in the world of tomorrow type of world so we can open that's that's a that's a venue that can open up very nicely. Yeah, I see. The only reason I was going with it because I saw the look they had and I see the influence they had, and I was really oh, looking at Max book. Fletcher, right? And I and, mm-hmm. and I, I love the animation uh, for Max Fletcher. Max Fletcher, Superman, it's very smooth. It's uses shadows, the, the set the tone, and it yeah. really reminiscent of what Sky Captain could be. Oh yeah. So that's why I was saying, okay, well, you know, and it would be different. It would stand out a little bit more. You know, either fans are going to like it or hate it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's going to be like, well, the art's totally different. And when you look at art compared to Simpsons, the Bob's Burgers, the art styles are totally different. Either you like it or you don't like it. I, I think this would stay true to that genre. It would definitely go to the world building because it's Sky Captain in the world tomorrow. The world tomorrow is still going on. Absolutely. Let's see what else they got in there. I, so that's why I think that there, you know, I would go more with the world building or not world building. Let's see the world that you built. Correct. That's what I said. It was already there. Like they, right. they gave you enough influence. If it, if it wasn't supposed to be a world building type of movie, right? Yeah. We would not been global 
trotting, looking for decks, looking for um, uh, looking for the main villain, looking to try to solve all that mystery. It could have done. It could have done probably the same, or they could have tried to write it that it'd be the same type of scenario in New York and just left yeah, and left it at that. Of course, but because we've now flew across, we've gone on the water, we've done all this, you've opened up so many doors. Like yeah, we're building right there already. Keep going. So now you can have another spin-off of a storyline going someplace else. Of have course, it's going to be like you Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, right? And, and it very and you and you nailed it right away when you said like the serials back in the day, the, the strips like the four panels, six panels. You know, that that's very much those comic strips is very much of Dick Tracy, Flash Gordon. You know, and then you can even tie it in like even give it the film uh, the feel of uh, Doc Savage. You know, the Bronze Man. Like, it, it really had those elements to it so that that's my that's my two cents here we'll we'll, mm-hmm. we'll wrap this up but we'll simply say like sky captain the world of tomorrow good family movie sit there oh, yeah. get the popcorn have some laughs laugh with it laugh at it and, and see don't just take it for face value but see what the creator was trying to do and mm-hmm. what he was building and and dig deeper and i still I, I was looking online too i know people have done some you know Couple of t- couple of toys, and then one I see the most of is from Frankie, the one the Angelina Jolie character. So, right. yeah, but again, it, it, they're going for you know at least in that aspect, they're going for the name that everybody knows more than Gwen and more than Jed. Her character is cool, but her character, yeah, her but her character is cool. Like she literally came in, and like you said, she only came in because she wanted to be part of the movie, part of that world. She only had a certain amount of time that she can squeeze in before doing her own other movie she was doing it currently at the time. But she literally came in and slightly stole the show per yeah, se. Lick shots. Just that's that's it. Shots and, fired. But, but but she she did good. That character, that again, you can now look at it that at this point, in this particular world, you know, it's the it's that nineteen forty type of feel where women are looking to be on par with men and basically know that they're not getting the their their dues doing the work yes. they're not getting their dues for it. Yes. So that you see Polly being that lowest lane type of character who is going to, you know, I'm going to keep up to you. You're going to do one. I'm doing one, one for one, two for two, whatever yep. you do, I can do type of scenario. And you can see that no matter what or how Polly is treated, she still tries to do her best and try to be match up to Joe as much as possible. Then we got Frankie. Frankie is the end line. You're now given the image that basically right. you can achieve getting to that point. Don't worry, you can get to that point. And then we have Frankie, who, who basically is the is the end of that role for Jesus. Yeah, you're Polly. right. Polly Perkins is the journey. Is the journey, and Frankie, Frankie is the, is is the, the destination. Finish line. She's destination. That's exactly. She's it. the destination. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You said it best. Awesome. Well. People, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, always, we say, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review. Thank you for tuning in to the Iconist Podcast. We're getting close to the issue. You know, issue. We say issue. Well, we say issue. It's a, a episode issue number one hundred. We're gonna do something once again. We're still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, please like, follow us, subscribe, and shoot us a message once in a while. We'll reply back and and love to hear from everybody. Uh, they're taking on all the stuff we talk about. If you if the, enjoy your March break. On that note, I am Barry3D, as always, here with Rod C. Yes, we're here. Let's go. Right on. And as I like to say, this whole world 
was created by a pencil, a piece of paper, and lots of imagination. Keep on dreaming. Good job, Dex. Good guy, Dex. Golly Willikers! Jolly Whittaker. Now you start. Now you starting to look like you starting to sound like Robert. Sound like the Dark Ward version. Holy callback, Rod! Oh my gosh. <laughs> ah! Route.